Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, welcome to week four in our series called Beyond the Signs. And in case you were wondering, uh, I want you to know uh, we are a church that believes that God is still doing the supernatural. He still does miracles. He still heals people. He still reveals himself through signs and wonders. He still speaks, and his people hear him. Jesus said, my sheep know me. They hear my sheep, hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Amen? So whether it's a small miracle, like physical healing, or a huge miracle, like God getting a hold of the life that I used to live and transforming me to become a follower of Christ, or maybe the person sitting next to you becoming changed in the same way, Turn to the person next to you and say, yeah, that's pretty amazing that you got saved. (laughs) We don't believe God took a break after the disciples died. Signs pointing to something greater. Just imagine with me for a moment, uh, this is not a real story, but uh, imagine uh, my daughter is getting married, Nicole, and the wedding is up at the Leo Palace Resort. That's not a prophetic word. This is just an illustration. (laughs) And everybody's invited. (laughs) That really is a pretend story. (laughs) Unless unless God blesses me in a big way. (laughs) But everybody's invited. But you can't make it because you have to work that day. Bummer. So the next day, you ask somebody, say, how was the wedding? They say, man, it was so cool. We were on our way. We were getting up there into Chalampago, and we saw a big sign with a white arrow that said, turn here. And you're like, yeah, but okay, go on. Well, then we went further down the road, and we saw another sign that said, turn left here. And by then, you're like, what happened when you got there? (laughs) Oh, it was so amazing. We got there, and we saw a sign with the name of the chapel on it. You know, that sounds strange. But spiritually speaking, sometimes we're like that. We get all excited about the signs and we miss the main point. We miss the main event. I can tell you many times that I've met people who have told me they have had a bona fide miracle in their life. And I'll ask them, so How did God use that to speak to you? What was he showing you? Why did God do that? And sometimes I've actually gotten a blank look like, hmm, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. Here at Life in the Sun, we encourage you to write down what God is saying. These will serve like spiritual signposts that will guide you into your destiny. Amen? The prophetic team, the intercessors you saw up here, they all know that. They do that. Anita, just this morning, shared a couple things that she had written down months ago. And if she hadn't, guess what? She would have forgotten by now. And it's the same with us. And so I encourage you to write down what God is saying to you. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you speak. Lord, it's not so important how, whether it's through the stars at night or through your word, God, we are so thankful that you speak and you are pointing us 
to something way bigger than what we can imagine. And so, God, I ask that today, as we look into your word, that you would be the one to open up our understanding, open up our hearts, and, Lord, give us the ability to be able to receive what it is that you want to say to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would, open your Bibles or your devices with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, this is actually a very long chapter, 71 verses altogether. Uh, we're not going to read it all today. We'll look at a good portion of it. But I want to encourage you to read the entire gospel of John. I mean, it's just an amazing story of the life of Christ. It is so rich, more than we could ever cover in an entire series six weeks long. I mean, it's just amazing. And I just want to encourage you, read the Gospel of John. Take your time in it. Go in it slow. Just write down your questions, your thoughts, what God is showing you. Journal it. Um, You will be blessed. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. After this... Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. So that phrase, after this, remember last week we were in John chapter 5. And so we know in John chapter 5, Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was at the pool of Bethesda, and that's where he healed the lame man. And so now it says in John chapter 6, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. So I have a map for you, just to kind of give you an orientation of where that is. Down below the white circle, can't really see it in this map, but that's Jerusalem by the Dead Sea. And then up north is the Sea of Galilee. That's 85 miles away. I just want to set up the scenario for you here. Keep that in mind as we read verse 2. Verse 2, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. 85 miles Walking, no cars. They followed him. Why? Because they saw his miraculous signs when he healed the sick. I mean, I probably would follow him too. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So it says it was almost Passover. And keep that in mind. That's part of the setting as we read this event In our culture, this would be kind of like saying it was almost Christmas. Unless you're in the Philippines, it's almost Christmas right after Thanksgiving. But if you're in the Philippines, it's like September 1. (laughs) In Jewish culture, Passover was the biggest holiday. In our culture, when it's almost the holidays, right after Thanksgiving, we start thinking about what it is that we're going to do uh, for the holidays. We start planning special events, family gatherings, start decorating the house, start thinking about uh, maybe our favorite foods. What are your favorite foods for the holidays? (laughs) Okay, all kinds of good stuff out there. Going to make your mouth water for lunch coming up. But in Jewish culture, when it came to the Passover, do you know what your favorite food was? It was bread. It was bread. In fact, one of the names for Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Keep the Passover in mind as we read the story. 
So it's almost Passover. People are thinking about bread. And it's like Jesus is about to bring Christmas early for the people in Israel. Verse 5. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd, a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Now, I can imagine the look on Jesus' face when Philip said, even if we worked for months, we would not have enough money to feed them. You remember when you were in elementary school and the teacher would ask a question and a student would raise his hand and give his answer And what did we do? We looked at the teacher's face to see if he had the right answer. You could just tell by looking at the expression on the teacher's face if he got it right or not. And if he didn't, then chances are, by process of elimination, the second student has a better chance of answering correctly. Because at least now, you know what not to say. And so, you know, the second student will go, oh, oh, I know, I know. And so, that's kind of what happened here. Verse 8. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, and he said, "Uh, Lord, uh, there's a young boy here, and uh, he's got uh, five barley loaves and two fish, but what is that, you know, in a crowd this size? Now, Andrew's getting a little warmer, and so Jesus says, okay, okay, have everybody sit down. Can you imagine the teacher just settling everybody? Tell them to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000 people. From the other gospel accounts, we know that there were also women and children. John here tells us that just among the men, there were 5,000. So maybe 10,000 plus people. That's what it meant earlier when it said a huge crowd. Verse 11. Then Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Now, I'm just trying to picture practically how did that happen? What did that look like? And John doesn't tell us. But verse 12, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Verse 13, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So here it is. This is the sign. Jesus created bread from scratch. Now, when you're Jesus, that means something different. New bread, again. Verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet that we've been expecting. And when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, it says he slipped away into the hills by himself. Now, why were they ready to make him king? And why is it that Jesus went away from them? Well, as you recall, Israel was ruled by Rome. They had been conquered by Rome. And they didn't like it. Jesus, when he revealed that he could do the miraculous, they got excited. They were like, you know what? Moses said there would be a new leader. We've been expecting him, and now he's here. Moses, remember, he's the one who delivered us from Pharaoh in Egypt. 
Maybe Jesus is the one who's going to deliver us from Rome. So they had this kind of uh, revolutionary liberation Jesus image of what they expected, right? It's very common to view Jesus in terms of what we want. In today's culture, uh, we might want a morally excellent Jesus. Or maybe we want a socialist Jesus. Or maybe we like the idea of a capitalist Jesus. Or maybe you like the idea of a cool, countercultural, hipster Jesus. In our minds, we're tempted to make him who we want him to be. But that's not who he is. Later that night, Jesus would walk on water to his disciples who were struggling in the boat. They were in a storm. They'd been rowing three to four miles. And when they met Jesus, it says instantly, immediately, they arrived at their destination. Another sign. Verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several, remember, this is like paparazzi watching out for where did he go, okay? They saw the disciples leave. He's not with them. Okay, several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. Verse 24. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. Verse 25. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me not because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. And then verse 28, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? So here they are. They don't know how Jesus got to the other side. They're asking him. He says, you don't really want to be with me because because of who I am, or you understood the miraculous signs, it's because I fed you. And then he goes on, and they say, well, we want to do those miracles too. But he just told them, don't be so concerned about temporary things. Be concerned about the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. But they didn't get it. They said, we want to do the miracles too. Jesus said, you know, don't be thinking about how you can feed 10,000 people. That's not the point. He said, spend your energy on seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Immediately after this, you know what they said? They said, we want to do the works of God too. He had just explained to them what's important, and they still didn't get it. And you know, this isn't the first time that people had a hard time understanding what Jesus was trying to say. He would use things in the natural to try and explain something supernatural, and many times people just didn't get it. Do you remember what he said to the Pharisees? He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. And they said, how can you raise it? I mean, it took us 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days? They didn't get it. He was talking about his body. Jesus said to the woman at the well, the water that I give you is living water. You drink this water and you'll never be thirsty again. 
And she said, um, sir, uh, I perceive you don't have a bucket. And uh, the well, it's deep. She didn't get it. You know, he said to Nicodemus, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? I mean, how can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? So Jesus has to break it down for them because here in John chapter 6, it's happening again. And so he's got to break it down for them. Verse 29, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. That is to believe in the one he sent. And that's about as simple as he can get. But after all they've seen, after all they've experienced, following him around like paparazzi, they still don't believe in him. Verse 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, show us a miraculous sign. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. Scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You know, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you bread. God did. Okay? And I just gave you bread. So, like, do you see it? And they don't. So Jesus has to break it down even further. Verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus uses natural, everyday things to reveal his identity. In essence, he said, I'm the source. I'm the one who will satisfy I'm the source of life. That's a quick read through this miracle of feeding the 5,000. So I want to turn a corner and just ask us a few questions. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for you and I? Have you ever wondered why Jesus fed the 5,000? Why did he do that? That's a great question whenever God does something miraculous in your life. Do you remember Jesus' question to Philip? Jesus said, where can we get bread to feed all these people? The apostle John said Jesus was testing Philip because he already knew what he was about to do. So Philip had a test. How do you think he did? Well, it depends on what the test was, right? So what was, it, what was it that Jesus was testing? Jesus was testing whether or not Philip knew who he was. And what does Philip's response reveal? Did he pass the test? Did you know Jesus will test you too? And what will your response reveal? Be prepared. This is a preview of what will be on the test. You already know the answer in your head. But the test is not a test of knowledge. The test is about a test of your heart and what do you really believe. Knowing something and believing it are two different things. 
When we're spiritually immature, we come to God because of what he can give us, because of what he can do for us. When we're mature, we come to God because of who he is. This is the example of the three wise men. The three wise men said, we have seen his star. We have seen the sign. And we have come to what? We have come to worship him. Worship is easier said than done. Knowing Jesus is only the beginning. We have to be purposeful and intentional about worship. You know, everything you see up here on stage, this whole building, in fact, is about being purposeful and intentional about worship. And we have to be the same way in our individual lives. You have to be purposeful and intentional to create your own atmosphere of worship at home and at work. For the wise men, this was costly. This cost them time. It says they traveled from a faraway place in the east. And it cost them resources, camels, food, money. And then when they finally experienced the presence of Christ, it says they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they honored him by giving extravagant gifts, extravagant gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. You know, there's a variation of this same principle found in this story. Remember the boy who had the five loaves of bread and fish? It says Jesus took his bread. It doesn't say he sold it to Jesus. It doesn't say he lent it to Jesus. It says Jesus took his bread. Now, I'm sure in a crowd of 10,000 plus people, there, I'm sure there's probably other people who brought food. They brought snacks. There's somebody else in the crowd who could share what they have. But here's this one boy, and Jesus takes his five loaves and two fish. Now, could you imagine him going, uh, what am I going to eat? Uh, Jesus, how about I keep one and you take four? Is that okay? Or maybe three, two, you know, enter into kind of like a negotiation. That's symbolic of our lives. We all have certain resources we'll just call bread. And Jesus wants your bread. And you're like, what? <laughs> no, I'm just going to keep some on the side. It's okay. You don't, it's okay. But he takes all of our bread. There's two reasons why Jesus might take your bread. Uh, number one, it could be something that's not good for you. It may not be healthy for you that he takes something away. The other thing is it may be something good, maybe nourishing, maybe pleasant, but he wants to multiply it. So either it will harm you, or if it's a good thing, he wants to make it more than it was before you gave it to him. Here's some examples. I'm just going to share uh, the first example are things that are hurtful to us. I need to take a moment to speak the truth in love. I need to say something that will be difficult for some of you. You know, sometimes when a doctor performs a procedure, he has to cut deep. When we discover who Jesus is, we realize that we belong to him 
And he has the right to speak into our lives. Amen? And so before I say some things, I want you to know there's no condemnation in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. But when we discover who Jesus is, we realize we belong to him, and he has the right to speak into our lives. He has a better way for us to live. He knows what will be good for us, but it's hard to change. In fact, it's impossible to change who we are apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can change behaviors, we can change activities, but changing our identity, our very being, that's impossible apart from the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes it's hard to give up a habit or a pattern. Sometimes it can be hard to stop sleeping with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It can be hard to stop drinking or smoking or browsing on the internet in places we should not be browsing. It's hard to stop talking about people behind their back. It can be hard to stop eating more than we really need. Sometimes Jesus literally has to take away our bread. And so that's one reason Jesus will take something from you. It's not good for you. The second reason is this. You may have something good. It's nourishing, it's pleasant, but Jesus wants to multiply it. An example that comes to my mind, something that spoke strongly to me when I was just a brand new Christian, just came to know the Lord. I had the opportunity to watch uh, a teaching series by James Dobson. Back then, it was brand new. Now everybody knows it, Focus on the Family. But that, back then, it was like a new Bible study series that had come out. And I was up at Anderson Air Force Base at the chapel there, and they were showing this series, and I got to watch it. Brand new Christian. I tell you, I could hear wisdom when I, when I saw it. And he was in high demand. He was being invited to speak all over the country. I mean, he was gone 90% of the time. He was so popular. He had a message with passion. But it dawned on him one day, going around speaking all over the country for 90% of the year, and his ministry was called Focus on the Family. And his family was left out 90% of the time. And he said, you know, if I'm going to live this message, I need to go home, and I need to focus on the family. And so he made that hard choice, despite the tremendous need that's out there, And he told everybody, I'm only going to travel two months out of the year. And just cut his schedule radically. And it was after he did that and he went home that God allowed him to open up a radio ministry. And his influence and being able to speak into cars and living rooms and office spaces all over the country just multiplied exponentially his influence and his teaching and his ministry. And that's an example where he was doing something great, phenomenal. And the Lord said, no, I want you to go back home. And you'd be like, what? Lord, there's so many people out there. They're calling me. There's such great need. I've got a message I feel passionate about. And then the Lord says, no, I want you to pull back. You're like, what? We have no idea when you give it to Jesus how he will take it and make it greater than what it was before you gave it to him. 
Amen? As you experience Jesus, will you give him your bread? Will you give him the things that satisfy you so that he can multiply it or exchange it for something better? If you do, you'll never regret it. I started this message with a pretend story about my daughter's wedding and the strange example of people who were missing the point and missing the main event because they were excited about the signs leading up to the event and they thought the signs were so cool. Church, it's all about the wedding. It's all about the relationship between the bride and the groom. It's all about the relationship between Jesus and his church, between you and God. Don't make the mistake of getting excited about the signs and miss the point and miss the main event. We had communion earlier, and I mentioned we are created for worship. And we are created for eternity. And God came down to earth in the form of a man and tried to communicate to us what is really important, trying to give us an eternal perspective. The point is to experience God and to worship him. Are you looking for bread, which is symbolic of the temporary, or are you looking for the baker? If you seek after bread, you might get full. But if you seek after the baker, you will be fulfilled. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you seek after the baker, he can create stuff that you don't even know about yet. Life will become an exciting adventure. The wise men got it right. They said, we have seen his star We have seen the sign, and we have come to worship him. Amen? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, give us wisdom in those moments when you're speaking to us, when you're revealing yourself to us. Lord, may we respond like the wise men. Father, help us to see... Help us to hear. Lord, give us knowledge and understanding so that we can honor you. Lord, I thank you for each person here and how you're speaking to them, what you're doing in their heart. Lord, I I bless them and I bless your work in them. And if you would, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, just take a moment to listen and say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? If you're sensing something, I want to give you some time to respond. I pray that we will pass the test.
It's going to take your time. We're not in a rush. While you're doing some business with God, I want to ask the worship team to come on up. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to address another group here in the room today. As you're listening to me talk about experiencing God, that's something that has been on your mind, on your heart lately. And today, you're here uh, not just to go to church, but you're actually wanting to search to experience God himself. You know that's in your heart and That's why you're here. And if you've never made a formal choice to open up your life and invite God to come in, to be a part of your life, I want to give you a chance to do that today. If you've never made a conscious decision to say, yes, God, I want to experience you. I want you in my life. Then I want to give you a chance to do that. It's real simple. We're just going to tell God what you decided. It's called prayer. I'll pray out loud. You can follow along. God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And I have a signal for that. If you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that describes you, if that's something that you want to do, I'm standing here today because I recognize that I need you. Even more than that, I want you to be in my life. So today, I'm making a choice to open up to you. I'm inviting you to come in, be a part of who I am and what I do. Lord, I know there are many things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or to other people. And I ask you to forgive me for For all those things, Lord, you know what they are. And I thank you for Jesus who died for me so that I can be forgiven. And I receive his forgiveness today. I receive his spirit into mine. And if you're praying this prayer with me right now, I just want to invite you to receive the Holy Spirit into your life and his love and his forgiveness, his power to forgive because it's for you. Right now, just choose to let it go. Let the past go. The guilt, the shame, any condemnation, any self-condemnation. Just let him cleanse your heart, cleanse your life, and forgive you completely. Lord, I ask that you would just wash them in the waterfall of your love and forgiveness and give them a new start. And then just continue to pray this with me. God, I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. Show yourself to me. Give me a new start. Show me how to live life your way. It hasn't been working so well on my own. But God, I want to live your way. And I ask that you would teach me this. Coach me. Be my teacher. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand to everybody who prayed that prayer. And if you would all stand. If you prayed that prayer after the service, we have a free gift for you. You go over to this side of the auditorium. There's a purple banner. It says one-to-one. We'd like to give you a free booklet. It'll help you grow. 
in your relationship with God, I want to ask you to do one other thing. That is, tell somebody about the decision you made today. Maybe even go through the one-to-one booklet with them. You can grow better together, amen?